Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Good, good, good. All right, Kidmo kids, where are you? You ready to go? Kidmo kids, you are dismissed. I think that's the first time I've ever remembered to do that without being cued, so I'm proud of myself. Hope everything else goes that well this morning. Yeah, we've already had one scare this week. Um, Jeremy actually thought that maybe David was teaching today and sent him a text about getting his notes. I think David completely freaked out. <laughs> like, what notes? What notes? What are you talking about? Yeah, we we plan things around here, believe it or not, but uh, <laughs> but sometimes our wires get crossed and, uh, and sometimes our communications aren't the best. But hey, you're stuck with me today, but I'm glad you're here. Glad that some of you uh, braved the spring break uh, to come on out. Uh, our crowd has been down a little bit this morning, and people have said, and I think that's because it is the first day of spring break. How many of you guys have plans for this week, something fun for spring break? I see about two or three hands. Awesome. How many of you are just glad you don't have to get the kids up and get them to school this week? Okay, that's a big difference. Okay, yeah, so, so you do, should be thankful for even the small things, right? Well, this morning, we're going to continue on our, our series about baggage. I really liked the video that we had there a minute ago talking about the change we can be in other people's lives and, and helping some of those folks out. And that's an important thing. I think we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through the message this morning. But just as a little bit of backtracking, I want you to understand what baggage is, what we say. Um, how many of you are familiar with the term? A lot of you are. A lot of you are. You know, we describe baggage as those things, I like to think of it as the things that we drag along in life that keep us from being who Christ wants us to be. I think that's one of the easiest ways to look at it. And it's often those things get in the way of us being who we should be. Maybe it's a traumatic experience from our past that, that was thrust upon us. Maybe it's something we thrust upon ourselves that we haven't overcome. But we drag that along, and as we drag it along, it certainly keeps us from being the people we need to be for Jesus. Now, one of the things I think we can do is just as in that video is we can come alongside people and help them get that baggage, help them take it, unpack it, put it away. Because one of the things that you'll find is pack that baggage and get rid of it themselves. And that's where we need to walk alongside people. A lot of times, being well-meaning, we come and we take hold of that baggage and we help carry it. And we carry it for so long, we just become enablers that these folks can't ever get over what's bothering them. And that's one of the things we need to think about is in how we help people, that sometimes we, we need some discernment in that of how, how to best help people. And that's some of the things we're going to be talking about this morning. Now, who were we talking about last week? Who was the main character in our story? Does anybody remember? Joseph. What had happened to Joseph? Joseph had some brothers that were very jealous of him and did not like him. They had decided, well, what we will do with him, we'll kill him. <laughs> well, one of the older brothers said, no, 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 let's don't kill him. Let's don't kill him. So they decided to put him in this pit. And then we'd take clothes home with blood on them to fool dad, make him think that you know, he had he'd succumbed to a wild animal or something. In the meantime, some traders came by and they said, well, hey, we want to get rid of him anyway. Why not make some money at it? Let's sell him into slavery. We'll give him to these traders and he'll be on his way and out of our hair. Now, obviously, many times in scripture, that's not the way the story works out. We think that this is a one-time little event but so many things in Scripture are so tied together. So many small events make something big happen. And that's what we're going to talk about here. But we're going to pick up right where we left off last week with, with Joseph being sold into slavery and what the next step that happened to him was. So if you want to follow along on YouTube, or YouTube, version. I don't think we're on YouTube this morning. We might be. 
We could do a YouTube live thing, I guess, but if you want to follow along in new version, if it's uh, up and working this morning, it's a little temperamental, but uh, the scriptures and the notes are there if you want to follow along, or if you want to just follow along in new version, we'll be in Genesis most of the morning. So look at Genesis chapter 39, starting in verses 1 through 3. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So we pick up Joseph's story. And Mark and I were actually discussing that this week, and we're not sure exactly how old Joseph is here. We're not sure how old he was before he was put into Potiphar's household. I mean, we know last week we talked about him being in his late teens, probably. I don't think he immediately went being a, a late teenager into serving as the head of a household there. So there's some time that has, has passed there that we don't really know exactly how old he is. We're thinking probably mid-20s, somewhere in there from some other hints around, but not really sure exactly how old he was. But that does tell you he has been in prison for some time. He has been in captivity for some time. Things I wouldn't think were going well. You know, it, it's talking about how God was with him. Okay, let's let's get this story. Let's let's go back and let's recap a little bit. I've I've been well. First of all, I wanted to kill me. My brothers were so jealous. Then they decided to back off that and they threw me in a pit. They sold me into slavery, and here I am in prison. And now I'm having to serve some other master. Would you feel like God was with you? That does not sound like the recipe for. Oh, I want to become a Christian because when you become a Christian, everything gets easy, right? Yeah, yeah boy, there's a laugh. God takes care of us, he? but maybe not in the way we think. I would certainly not be, be thinking that. Would you think God had abandoned you at that point in time? If you had been in, in prison and were, had to be somebody else's servant because of what your brothers did, nothing that you did on your own. There is no evidence that Joseph ever did anything wrong. There was any reason other than his brother's jealousy that he got here. Who would you be mad at? Who would you be mad at? God. Who else? And the brothers. There's two people. Would you have resentment in your heart towards both of those? I mean, granted, you know, hey, this is great. If I'm going to have to be here, I would rather be, be you know, serving in somebody's house than, you know, digging ditches or whatever for them. But would you really be happy about that? You know, I think one of the things we need to realize is that even though God is with us, it doesn't mean we'll be insulated from all unpleasantness in our lives. That's one of the things that, that I've taught against for, for many years are the, are the people that if you'll just receive Jesus, your life's going to be great. Well, it is going to be great having Jesus in your life, but there's still going to be other stuff around you that is not great, guys. There's still going to be things that happen. People still get sick. People still die. People still lose jobs. People still have bad relationships. All those things still go on around us. It's not going to be free of unpleasantness. And I think that's one of the things that we get wrong as Christians sometimes. We get disappointed and discouraged. We're like, what if you're Joseph? I've never done anything wrong here that I know of. And all of a sudden I'm in prison. I mean, what kind of God are you that you would do this to me? And why haven't you punished my brothers? How's that a part of it? How would you pray for your brothers if that was the thing that had happened to you? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, y'all. I, I can see the laughs out there. I'm thinking, yeah, you're thinking, well, maybe they should be put in prison. Maybe somebody could, should, could, uh, should come and do something to them. And maybe I should be a, a um, 
a hero in this story when they find out what my brothers have done and I'll be released and I'll be over all my dad's stuff and my brothers will be put in prison because they're terrible. That's when I'm going to pray to God, put them in prison. We see no evidence that Joseph had that attitude at any point or any time. He just kept being faithful. Now, God may not, immediately, may not choose to immediately rescue us from adverse situations. How many of you prayed for God to get you out of a situation and to your recollection? He never did. You're still maybe in that situation. <clears throat> I think that's one of the things that God does is God uses these situations to mold and make us. And he knows how long we need to kind of bake in them for less than a lack of a better term. Sometimes God needs to put us in these places to teach us things. Now, is it pleasant when you're there going through that learning experience? No, it's not. Many times it's very hard for you. But God leaves us there sometimes to make a point. Not that he's trying to make a point. And this is another thing I don't believe God. I'm going to show you. I'm going to make, a, I'm going to make an example out of you. Here's my point to you. No, when I say God's trying to make a point, God's point is he wants us to rely on him fully. That's his point. His point is, hey, I know you're going through adversity, but what I want you to do is instead of looking at the situation, trying to blame our others, trying to be resentful, I want you to look at me. Just look at me. Just look at me and follow me, and you'll see what happens in the end. Now, people cope with adversity in different ways. Some turn, uh, some turn to faith, while others look for more immediate relief. It's a big part of what we deal with in our lives is what happens when adversity comes, okay? What do you do? Who do you reach out to? Well, some people reach out to God, and when he doesn't immediately step in, they start thinking, well, what's going on with my life? There, there's something going on here. It, it's me. I've done something. I, I'm damaged in some way. Something's happened. I don't know what to do. And we start just this looking, this internal thing that it, it's just unexplainable. Joseph didn't do anything. Maybe you didn't do anything. Maybe it's just circumstances around you that God's trying to teach you through. You know, we start trying to wonder what we've done, you know, how we're going to cope with this. Other people get discouraged in that, okay, God hasn't answered my prayers. Woe is me. Okay, all of y'all should feel sorry for me because I've had a horrible life. I've had things that have happened to me that have never happened to you, and that's the reason I am made up the way I am, and you just need to excuse any of my behavior, any of my addictions, any of my problems because, hey, you haven't been in my shoes, and you don't realize what God's done to me and how nobody has come to rescue me, and it's just awful. You just don't understand, and you're not in my shoes. How many people know people like that? And that's a very tough place to be because what you've done, you've turned your heart from God already and you started focusing on self and you're looking and you're just, you know, you're just wanting people to understand you. You're wanting people to understand why things are. And I think we need to do that. I think that is part of coming alongside others like we were talking about and stepping into their lives. But it's also being bold enough to say there are things that you are doing to yourself that you need to stop doing and start trusting God again. And that's where it's very hard to have that faith. And we're going to talk a lot about faith this morning, the faith that Joseph had. But that's where it's hard to have that faith is when you're seeking immediate relief and it's not coming, it may be a whole lot easier to turn to drugs or alcohol, promiscuous sex, whatever it is that gives you pleasure in your life, the things that you like. It may be much easier to turn to those things instead of facing the realization, I'm stuck right here until God does something. I think that's a lot of times is the first step out of that mire of being stuck is realizing you are stuck 
and God's the only one that can get you out. It's not up to you. Now, yes, we do need to make steps. We need to do things on our own. We need to make steps towards being better people, steps towards being more faithful, steps towards being better Christians. But you've got to look towards God as the first step. None of the rest of that's going to work without God involved in the middle of it. But let's continue on. Let's look at our story here. Go back to where Joseph's at. Uh, this is Genesis 39, starting with verse 4. Now, you have to kind of go back and say that, see that he's being given success in all that he does. And this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And we'll see where that plays in the story here in just a second. Okay, how many of you are thinking that you want a Joseph of your own? <laughs> I mean, he makes your house run smoothly. Everything that he touches, it goes well. If you plant stuff, your crops live great. You know, what, why wouldn't Potiphar be pleased with this? This is a fantastic deal. He got a, not only a servant, but he's got this servant that has some supernatural ability almost that everything he touches, it just goes great with him. How many of y'all's houses run that smooth? Yeah, we got one or two. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, we'll go ask your spouses and family about that, and we'll see if that's really true. Uh, where, are the Eskridges in here? Did y'all's house run like that every morning? I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just, we've had talks about this. If you've got three little kids and another one on the way, your house don't run like Joseph's running things, does it? You need your own Joseph there to make things run better sometimes. And it gets to you. It gets to you when your house doesn't run smoothly. But for whatever reason, God is blessing Joseph for his faithfulness. And, and, you know, Potiphar is getting the benefit of it. I mean, it's crazy. But when God is actually working through us, others are going to see it. You think that stood out to Potiphar? Do you not think that Joseph was different than the other people? He could have had any slave he wanted. I guess, I guess there was a price range. I guess it's like buying a car today. There was a price range on the slave you could buy and what quality you got. You know, he evidently got the absolute Cadillac of slaves here. This guy is awesome. He's, he can do anything. So I guess you got what you paid for. He said, man, I got, I got even more than I paid for. This guy is fantastic. There's something different about him. It's just, it's, it's hard to explain how great he is and what he does for me. I just don't understand it. Now, I don't think Potiphar was a Christian, but I do think that Potiphar saw something in him because God was working through Joseph. And I think people see that in us. I think people see things in us that we don't see for ourselves. Y'all agree with that? I think sometimes people see God working through us, and we don't even know God's doing it. We've just done something that we felt was the right thing to do or whatever, and people say, wow, that was great. You were such a blessing to that person. You're like, what, what do you mean? I, I don't understand. And I think we see that more and more in today's society as we get away from the biblical worldview and, and we don't see people doing those things. They stand out when people just do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. They bless others just because they think that's what God should do. If you're a Christian, you think that you should try and bless others. Man, that's fantastic. We hear about these things all the time. You know, people are, are just so intent on themselves sometimes. One of my friends told a good story this week. He had decided that when 
He went to the drive-thru. And some of you may have done this. He was going to pass the blessings on. He was going to pay for the person behind him's breakfast at wherever he drove through that morning. And so he's sitting there. And I know he's already on edge because he's got a brand new F-150 truck. It, super nice truck that he just bought. So he's going to the drive-thru. And this guy, I won't use Doug's language to describe what the guy was, but he comes flying through the parking lot, cuts him off through the drive-thru. You think, well, you just lost your blessing, sucker, because I'm paying for the person behind me. See what you get? Now, there are people that we don't want to bless, Arthur. You ever have those that step into your life and you think, oh, God, you, you won't be, to, oh, God, you don't. You don't really mean to bless that person, do you? Don't, don't you have somebody a little, little different that I can bless? Isn't there something I can do? You know, and, that's, and sometimes, you know, we get caught up in that trap of who do we bless and what should we do? But if you're living for God, others will see it. I mean, I was just proud that Doug had offered to buy somebody else's breakfast. That's a, that's a good gesture. I think those are, I think showing some kindness is something Christians need to be doing more of. How many of y'all agree with that? Don't you think Christians need to be seen as being kinder than what we are sometimes? I think so, and we need to do that. We don't need to be weak, but we also do need to show kindness. And I think there's, there's a fine line there for some of us, but we need, we need to look at that. But what happens when we start doing these things? What happens when I start trying to be more like Christ? What happens when I start looking at my life and trying to bless others? What happens when I start looking at those that are less fortunate than me and try and walk alongside them? What happens to you in those situations? Now, come on, who do you, what do you think is going to happen? How many of you have ever experienced adversity when you've done this? Well, who do you think that comes from? I'm looking at Karen. She's going to do the church lady. Now. now, who could it be now? Could it be <laughs> Satan? Who do you think comes and opposes us when we start doing the right thing? It's Satan, our enemy, the devil, Lucifer, whoever you want to call him. When people, especially start noticing in our own lives that we are living out a Christ-like life and people are being blessed because God is working through us, do you think that makes our enemy happy? Absolutely not. Sets him on edge. He's looking, he's watching, he's thinking, you know what, this is not good for me. This is not good for my idea of what the world should look like. This is not good for my purposes. I need to step in here and do something. I've got to somehow influence this person. Now, I can't directly touch him without God's authority and his permission. We learned that with the story of Job, that God will only let Satan go so far. But he can certainly do some things there that will mess us up. When we live out our faith for God, Satan takes notice, and he tries to derail our faith journey. He's looking at us and saying, hmm, you know what? I know some weaknesses that old boy there might have, or that lady there. I know something that she might be weak in. And I'm going to trip you up. I'm going to see what I can do now. So continuing on in our story. And Potiphar, thinking back that Joseph's a good-looking young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully and say, come and sleep with me, she demanded. Okay. Now, I'm going to guess that being in Joseph's station in life, he didn't have a girlfriend. He didn't have a relationship with a lady. He may have been lonely. He may have been thinking, I wish I was anywhere but here, and I had my own family. And here's this lady that provides him with an opportunity that many, many people would take. That's Satan trying to derail what's happening in Joseph's life. Now, if there's ever anybody that had the right to feel sorry for himself, don't you think it's Joseph? I mean, the reaction could be, 
well, why, why shouldn't I do this? You know, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, and I've been blessed so much. Maybe God, here's the one that really gets us. We fool ourselves. Maybe God has sent her to me, right? Yeah, God sent me someone else's wife. Yeah, that's kind of, we kind of chuckle when we think about that. But there are people that if you get so wrapped up in yourself and you have so much baggage, you can convince yourself that this is right. But our faith is what grounds our decision-making processes. You've got to have that faith. You've got to realize what's going on. Because if you don't, you're going to get tripped up by Satan. He's going to make you convince yourselves of crazy things like, I deserve this. And then not only do I deserve this, I'm pretty sure God's providing it for me. If you don't have a scriptural basis to go back and compare notes and say, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. If you know from Scripture you're not supposed to be doing it, the chances are zero that God is sending this to you. But now here's Joseph's reaction in verse 8. But Joseph refused. He said, look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph has realized two things here. He's realized, first of all, that God's blessed him where he's at despite his circumstances. But he's also realized, excuse me, the consequences of sin. He's realized, who's he sinning against if he does sleep with this lady that's asking to? Who's he sinning against? God, Potiphar. He's actually sinning against Potiphar's wife, and he's sinning against himself. How about that? Look at all the people who would be affected by that. And what he, the baggage that that would create if he did it. But Joseph was grounded in his faith. He knew this wasn't right. He knew that it actually would harm her because she was doing the wrong thing. It would harm Potiphar because he was doing this to his master here on earth, his boss, so to speak. He knew it would harm himself because he shouldn't be doing it. And he knew that God wouldn't approve. Look at that. Three people's lives and God's relationship to God. All those relationships affected by one decision that he had to make. But. Here's what she kept doing. Verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Our faith's a twofold thing there, and this is one of the, the things. This passage of Scripture is so rich with things that we should do. Look what Joseph did. He had faith, but he also, God gave him some discernment and some common sense. If this lady is trying to get me to sin, I guess I should date her and hang around with her as much as possible, right? Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, I should, I should be with her as much as I can and show her how faithful I am. No, he realized I need to keep out of her way. I need to not be there. When we're living out our lives for God in faith, he gives us discernment. He'll show us what to do. He'll, he'll give us an avenue of escape. There's always a way out of these situations. And Joseph's learned that the best way to avoid this situation is to simply avoid contact with her, not to be around hanging out with her. Now, this whole thing is, I think, later on, and there's, there's absolutely no proof of the writer of Proverbs was looking at this story when Proverbs was written. But in looking at the continuity of the, the Scriptures and how God does things, I think there's a passage here in Proverbs that, that is written about this situation. This isn't in your notes or on the screen, but I want you to just listen to this. I, I thought of this after I had given Mark the notes for today. This is from Proverbs chapter 6, and it's verses... Um, 20 through 35, if you want to look at that, you're free to turn there. 
Here's the instructions. It says, my son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel shall lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their, correct dis- their corrective discipline is the way to life. It will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you. For a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Can a man scoop up a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will not go unpunished. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he's starving, but if he's caught, he must pay back seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. For the woman's jealous husband will be furious, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept no, he will accept no compensation, nor be satisfied with a payout of any size. Does that sound like that could have been written about this situation? When I got to thinking about that, that exactly describes the situation that Joseph found himself in. And he realized that he couldn't do this. And I think this is descriptive of in our lives of improper relationships. You're not going to get by with these things. Number one, how many people do you know that have ever successfully had a hidden affair and never got caught or, or confessed it? I don't know of any. God has a way of bringing these things forth in our lives, either through us, through self-examination, admitting we've done something wrong if we're in those situations, or external circumstances suddenly appear and something happens, right? Something happens. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a fellow I knew once. He was a, an acquaintance. I won't say a friend necessarily, but found out he had been cheating on his wife and found out through a, a very different story. He was out running around with one of his buddies, and his wife calls and he picks up the phone, you know, just like a guy. Hey, hon, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, sweetie. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'll be home after a while. Yeah, no problems. I'm out, I'm out with so-and-so. Yeah, we're, we're cool. Okay, see you later. Throws the phone on the bench. His buddy says, I can't believe you lied to her like that, man. She is, is she that stupid? He said, she's stupid. She'll never figure it out. She'll never know what's going on. When he got home that night, everything he owned was in his front yard. Everything, I mean, thrown out, clothes strode across the front yard. The only thing he had was the junk she threw out in the yard in his truck. You see, have y'all ever butt-dialed anybody? Have you ever heard of that term? He didn't get the phone hung up. She heard every word he said. Sometimes you think God's got a sense of humor too, don't you? In those situations here, he's trying to, you know, just play her off as being stupid and he doesn't love her in any way. And he's like, I'm just going to get by with this. God had a different idea. So sometimes circumstances around us, I think God orchestrates those things to get us caught up in our own lives, to get those things to stop happening. Let's continue on in Genesis 39 with verse 11. One day, this is after he's been trying to avoid Potiphar's wife. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hands as she ran from the house. When she saw that that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought 
this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Well, what do we see in this later, later written in Scripture from Proverbs? What usually happens if you fooled around with somebody else's wife and the husband finds out? Does he say, oh, it's cool, man. It's all right. It happens all the time. Not a big deal. I'm good with this. Honest, I'm good with this. Joseph, come on back into the house. You're a great cook and everything. You're good with the kids. Just come on back in. No. Joseph winds up back in prison, every privilege he's had stripped away from him. I'm sure Potiphar is absolutely furious with him. Everybody's wondering, what happened? What happened here? You know? There's no signs here that Joseph did anything wrong once again. And gosh, he's just snatched up, thrown in prison, falsely accused. He knows it, but he's the only one that knows it. Do you think that could cause some baggage in your life? You being the only one that knows the situation, and you know you're telling the truth, and nobody believes you? Man, that can lead to baggage. You know, and some of us have, have messed up. You know, it would be even different if Joseph had a reputation of lying, if Joseph had a poor reputation. But we're, we see throughout this, God's been with him. He was such a great servant in the house that the only thing Potiphar had to do was worry about what he wanted him to cook him to eat. Everything ran smoothly. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this thing that was out of character. Now, had Potiphar been a Christian, I think this would have turned out differently. Because I think God gives us discernment in those situations. Now, now maybe because of Potiphar's love for his own wife, he might not still have believed Joseph. But I believe that if Potiphar had had God in his life, it would have been a different situation. I believe there would have been some discernment there, and he would have thought, now why would this guy that's had all these opportunities to do this, all this time, he's been so good to me, he's been so good for our house, why would he suddenly decide he's going to do this? There's something suspicious here, isn't there? There's something that doesn't make good sense. And I'm like, yeah, what, what's going on here? But Potiphar didn't have God in his life to, to all things that we can see, so he just did what anybody, well, no, he didn't do what most anybody would do, Surprised he didn't take his life. I mean, after all, Joseph is nothing but a slave. He's a piece of property, you know. But what happens when we're falsely accused? What does that do to us? Does it do something to your spirit inside? I mean, we can turn and feel sorry for ourselves is one thing, but you just feel deflated, don't you? you? You feel like, gosh, I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm being punished for doing the right thing. You know, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing the right thing. Has that ever crossed your mind? Maybe this is just too hard. Maybe it's not worth the effort of being a Christian anymore. Maybe I just need to go a different way because, well, I'm not being treated any different than the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, I see people living wicked lives out here in the world that are more blessed than me. It's what we think, don't we? Because we measure everything in terms of financial success and and how you're seen by your peers and things instead of what God's doing in your life. That's how we measure blessings. So we look and say, well, man, he's cheated on his wife. He's done this and he's done that. He's got a fantastic business. He's got these wonderful things. So, gosh, maybe, maybe I should take that path. But not Joseph. But look, look at what happens here. Verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. 
But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Wow, you talk about a charmed life now. Here this guy has been caught up in yet another situation, not of his making, and God has come in and blessed him in the situation. Now again, I don't understand how God works. Y'all understand how God works? <laughs> yeah, me either. If I were God, you know, this is kind of a Jim Carrey moment. If I was God, you know, here's what I would have done. I would have said, Joseph, you did great. I'm going to, I'm going to make, make it known that Potiphar's wife was responsible for all this, and it's going to come out so good, they're even going to release you from prison and give you back your citizenship, and you'll be free to go. If I was God, that's what I would have done. But God did not see it that way. He chose to keep Joseph in this situation for a little while longer. And you're going to see, you're going to have to hang with us through these series and see why God was so insistent on where he was keeping Joseph and what he was doing with him in his life. Because God had a purpose for Joseph. But the faith of Joseph continues to see him through adversity. If you didn't have faith, that would be an even more miserable situation. If you didn't have anybody to turn to, you know, that would be horrible if you were faced with that. What, what would you do? What would you do if this was your adversity? You know, but, but look at how he continues to be blessed. It says, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Again, he's still succeeding. But would y'all really feel successful in that situation? Would you, would you feel like you're still a little less than everybody else? I would. I would definitely feel like a, if I'm still in prison for something I didn't do, I'm going to be constantly asking God, what, what else do I need to do? What do I need to do to get out of this situation? What can I do to get out of prison, God? What have you done? You know, it, it's really a remarkable thing, this, this story to me, because I can put it in so much context. I have a friend at work that, that has been in prison. He got caught selling drugs. His own, his own testimony to me, and we're going to have him here one, one Sunday when I can work it out. I want you to hear his story, how God delivered him, but how he made some, some things, some introspective things that he started looking at in his own life. He got caught basically because he got greedy. Chattanooga, Tennessee, you can sell dope as long as you're not selling too much. But when you get up to the point that you're threatening somebody that's supplying dope to people, guess what happens to you? You somehow miraculously get pulled over in your car with dope in it, and the cops knew it all along. I wonder how that happened. He made somebody higher than him in the hierarchy of the drug dealers in Chattanooga. He made them upset, and they turned him in. They told the cops, hey, if you go follow him down such and such street at such and such time, we will guarantee you can make a drug bust. They go, get them, they bust him. You know, here's the thing that, that, that amazes me about him, and I'm not sure if I would have done this or not. Now, he knew who his suppliers were and stuff, but I'm not going to tell. He said, you know what? This is on me. This is really on me. He could have gotten out earlier. Now, there are some threats that could come to your family if you snitch on your supplier in the drug deal. But you know what he did? He said, no, no. He said, I don't want my, my family to be put at risk. But he said, really, this is on me. I was the one that started doing this. Nobody made me do it. I was enjoying the life. I was enjoying having the money. I didn't care about the consequences. So, man, 
It's all on me. I think that was the start of his journey to be who God wants him to be. It's when he said, it's on me. And I think that's one of the things that is so important for us is to realize sometimes it is on us. In Joseph's case, it wasn't. In some of our cases, yes, it is. It's entirely on us. It's our fault. We did something we should be ashamed of. We did something that didn't please God. It is on us. And my buddy, his story, that, that's where it starts in prison. As he goes, he served several years for, for drug charges here in the state. Uh, went to state, state penitentiary. You know what? He, did, he does not describe prison as a pleasant place to me. It's not what we see on TV where you think it's wonderful. The hardest thing he says thing that Joseph was facing, you're not your own boss anymore. You can't go outside when you want to. You can't eat when you want to. You can't do anything. Somebody is there telling you all the time what you can and cannot do. And that just brings this to life for me, thinking of what Joseph was going through. He was in the same situation. My buddy says, you know, you're just, you're in there and you're at somebody else's mercy all the time. He said, and there's people in prison here. They're killing each other. They're stabbing each other. He said, there's just crazy stuff. There's always somebody wanting to break the rules and get me in trouble. And I'm trying to do the right thing. And he said, you know, I don't want to fight nobody. He said, but I'm going to fight somebody before I'm going to get in trouble with the warden over doing stupid stuff. Think of that environment. And I'm sure it's the same environment that Joseph found himself in was that environment. But how many of us put uh, ourselves in those situations? I mean, it's awful to think that. I can't imagine what Joseph went through knowing that it wasn't his fault. I mean, at least if I know it's something I've done, at least you feel like, well, well, maybe I in some way deserve this because of what I've done and how I've sinned against God. In Joseph's case, it wasn't there. But think of all the baggage that can come with these situations. With Joseph's case, he could have hated his family, you know, for what they did to him as he was growing up. We deal with that a lot in our chaos management group. There's a lot of people who have had parents that were rotten, grandparents that were rotten. You know, that's something you didn't used to hear. It was there, but nobody talked about it. It just became our own private personal baggage, and we never, we never dealt with it and went through life never, never really getting over things that had happened to us. But, but I hear that a lot. People have parents that weren't good to them, siblings that weren't good to them, grandparents that weren't good. It did horrible things to them. And then that led for them trying to find an answer outside of God, and it led down bad paths. You know, it haunts our relationships if we don't take care of those things. Those things that have happened to us, that we've had bad situations, stressful situations, whatever it is that has come against us, you know, if we don't start dealing with that, we're going to drag this through the rest of our lives. So we're going to have, we're going to have burdens against relationships in our own family, our own parents, our grandparents, you know, maybe a husband or a wife. We're going to go through all that. But not only that, I think the, the real core of this message is you start resenting God. That's the real baggage that you're carrying and that's following you through in life. Is you start resenting God because he hasn't fixed the situation for you. You know, I don't understand why, like we said a minute ago, I don't understand why God works the way he does. If, if, a, if God forbid, a parent or a grandparent or somebody abused a child, good thing I'm not God. How about y'all? Good thing I'm not God. You know, what happens to child molesters speaking about prison? What happens to them in prison? awful i thought i saw a thing just this week what happened remember jared the subway guy got caught for child pornography and a lot of other terrible things he was doing he went to prison well he got attacked i don't remember if it was a few weeks ago or a few months ago guy attacked him you know why he attacked him 
said, I'm sick of perverts making him a hero, and I'm going to show him what happens to people that think that's being a hero. And he went and beat the snot out of him. Now, Jared is in protective areas. This guy has been in the hole, basically, for, he said, no, I don't care. I don't care. Now, is that, is that a Christian response? No. But it's the way the world works. It's what happens when we start resenting things and we start trying to give payback for those things. Maybe that's the reason God doesn't operate that way. Are y'all glad that God doesn't operate that way when he sees us messed up? How many of you think that in society in general, though, that a lot of people think that is the way God works? Do you think they see him as a loving God? I don't think they do. And I think it's a very tough thing for us sometimes as well. We talk about God being our father. We talk about his son, Jesus. We talk about their relationship. What if you don't have a loving father or have never had a father figure in your life to relate that to? What if your father was always the disciplinarian? Everything you did, he was there to smack you with a belt or punch you with his fist. What does that make you think of a father figure as? It's very difficult sometimes to witness to others in our society that have gone through that in their lives, to let them know we do have a God that loves us. And it's just so hard. That baggage just builds up then within them. And they're like, I don't want to be around a God. That's like, it's like God's always out to get you. You know, like the old Johnny Cash song, God's going to cut you down. If you're this, this, or this, what's going to happen to you? God's going to cut you down. Well, do you think that God really does that to us? I don't think he does, or none of us would be here this morning. Right? How many of y'all have lived a perfect life up until this time? Other than diesel. <laughs> your dad told me to kick your butt anytime you misbehave. That's misbehaving, so I have permission while he's out of town. <laughs> but no, we, we've all done things that have made us what the Bible calls sinners. We don't like that term, but we've all sinned. We've all had these things that have happened to us. And how we deal with it determines whether that baggage is going to follow us through the rest of our lives or not, okay? Guys, if we close, I don't know if the band's back here or not, but we're finishing a little early today. I don't want to catch you off guard. Everybody's going, yeah, we're going to finish on time today. Um, But what I want you to think about here as we close is how that baggage to keep it from following you. What you need to do today, what you need to do this morning, what you need to turn over to God that has been bothering you that you've been dragging through life, or maybe somebody's been dragging life, dragging it through life for you. Whatever's happened to make a bad situation for you. And you maybe resent your family, you resent a friend, you resent an ex-husband or wife for what they've done to you. You resent a boss. A lot of this happens in the workplace. You've worked someplace and you've got, it's horrible, you know, what happens sometimes to us in our, in our workplaces. You know, Think about those things and examine them this morning. And, and let's, let's try and, and think why we're, why we're at where we're at. Why things affect us the way we do, the way they do. Why we're depressed sometimes. Why we can't get ahead. And let's really look today at what it means to focus towards God. What do you think that looks like? Some of you may have never tried that really in these situations. You've just taken that as this is just something that happened to me. No, you need to deal with it. But you need to unpack that baggage and give it to Christ. He's sitting there, open arms, ready to take whatever junk you've got in your life that you need to put behind you, and you put it on him. That doesn't mean there's not consequences, just like sleeping with another man's wife. There may be consequences, but your faith, just like Joseph's faith, will show you through the worst situation that can be put on you on this earth. Y'all believe that? 
Y'all really believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. I mean, come on. Do you believe that God is a big enough God that he can see you through if you have enough faith? Amen. I think we need to remind ourselves of that. I think we think our God's not big enough sometimes. Sometimes he's not big enough to handle my problems. When in reality, the one that's little is us. We can't handle our own problems and we try. We try so hard to fix things ourselves, to make it work out. When all we need to do is say, Jesus, take this from me. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I want you to have this burden for me. And that's where I want us to be at as we leave this morning. Something that's burdening you, you need to confess it to Jesus and tell him to take it from you. Tell him this morning. Let him know. Maybe you've let him know for the past 30 years and you still feel like he's not dealt with it or you've dealt with it. Don't stop now. Look at Joseph's life. He's going to be in prison for a lot of years. But he kept his faith. He kept saying, God, God, take care of me. God, take this from me. And you're going to see how he's blessed. You're not going to, it's going to be amazing what happens to him. And maybe that's what you need. You need almost a miracle like this in your life to turn it around. I encourage you this morning as we pray to pray for that. If you need one of us to pray for you specifically, you can come up front and we'll pray with you specifically. This is a casual environment church. If you want to come down here and you want us to pray with you, it's not about being seen. It's not that there's something magical about this stage. But if you want somebody that will come alongside you, like the video said, and be willing to be your mentor, be your friend. You don't know how many people I hear these days that just need a friend. Maybe you need a friend, somebody to help support you. If you need anything like that, feel free to come down, see us after the service. Wednesday night, chaos management, shameless plug here. It's what we talk about every Wednesday night. You don't have to be an addict. You don't have to be a drunk. You don't have to have been sexually abused. It may just be that you don't have your life together and you want some friends around you, that you can have some friends that understand them and come alongside you and say, hey, I'm here for you. Call me. You need some help? Let me know. Let me know what you're dealing with. That's what a community of believers is all about, okay? All of y'all out here this morning, this is our little community of believers, and we're here to support each other and to be here for each other. Now, it's great for programs and things that we have to attract new people into our midst, but the end goal of the day is for us to support each other and walk along beside each other and help each other deal with the baggage in our lives. That means coming on Wednesday night, great. Means coming on Sunday morning, great. Whatever you guys need, God will provide for you if you're just faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the story about, about Joseph and what went on in his life. God, we're still early in the story, but we already see that, God, you're working through him so much that unbelievers even see that you're working through him. But God, let us, let's try to apply this to our own, own lives. This is where the, it gets sticky, God, is in us trying to figure out how to deal with the baggage that's, that's following us, God. We just pray that you'll, you'll help us. There's things that we're struggling with, whether it's with our work, with our relationships, with our addictions. God, whether it's our lack of faith, all those things are baggage, God. And we need to, to let go of those things and give them over to you and let you help us step through. And the most important thing is that is to have the faith that Joseph has had in this story, that he knows God is with him. And that's what faith is, is realizing God is with us. Even in the direst of circumstances, even when things are unpleasant, God, that you are there with us. And we just pray that, that this morning, if there's anyone here that needs that, God, that they will find a home in this community of believers, God. And, and we've seen you working here, God, and I don't want us to think that, you know, things just go and, and people never get help. God, we have seen so many miraculous things here in this faith community where you have come in 
and allowed us to step alongside someone and help deal with this, God. You are a miraculous God this morning, and we thank you for that. And amidst the chaos of our lives, God, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And if there's, there's anyone here today that's struggling with that, Lord, just pray that they'll, they'll make this the first step this morning of getting their lives back and getting the faith back that they need to have and being able to function for you and be a witness for you, God. Just pray all these things in your name. Amen.